You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cure to Consumption. I am your host, Lance Lambert. Very excited to have you all here on yet another week of our show. We've got a good one today. We actually have yet another friend from the industry, Christy McAdams. It's quite an extensive background. She, uh, my gosh, she's been on several several sides of the, the industry, if you will, um, cutting her teeth out here in Southern California, uh, doing extracts before moving over to Nevada, doing distribution now running a staffing agency for the cannabis industry. For those of you looking to get into the industry in Nevada State, um, she is definitely an excellent person to work with. Helps you get through the process of uh, compliance uh, as an employee in the space and then can definitely help place you as well. So looking forward to talking to her. She has something going on as well that I'm kind of excited to get into, which is essentially an international network. Uh, my gosh, something I've been talking about doing for years with all these friends uh, around the world, but have just been <laughs> a little too busy with work, work, and work. Um, so that's something hopefully she'll get into as well. Um, but yeah, a lot going on. So you guys, just to get you caught up on a little news, every once in a while we, we talk about that and kind of get into it. The Northeast continues to move forward with legalization. Um, good to see what's going on out there in the New England countries. Uh, side of the country, I should say, rather. And um, also on an international, just talking to a friend in South Africa about what's going on out there. My gosh, with Morocco uh, now legalizing, it just continues to move forward on all levels. So um, definitely looking forward to what the future has in store. And I think it's going to make an impact, you know. Last thing I kind of want to touch on, it'll be perfect timing as this episode comes out, is, you know, getting ready for the summertime. What's going on? Las Vegas officially passing consumption lounges. And so that's something that's going to be coming into fruition later on this year. Um, but that will be a first in this country to have legal, legitimate consumption lounges in such a large city. So again, that's something I'm really interested to see how it plays out. You know, a lot of people are like, ah, it's Vegas. How busy is it? Well, to give you an idea, you know, Colorado saw, I want to say it's 2018, they saw about 70, 72 million tours in the entire state of Colorado. To give you an idea of how busy Las Vegas proper is, uh, which is a few little unincorporated towns. Technically, it makes up the strip, but let's just call it a, you know, mile by mile square, even a two mile by two mile square area. I mean, you're talking about 42 million tourists that same year. So again, pretty crazy, uh, but something that we look forward to seeing how that turns out just now. So um, yeah, we'll definitely, um, let's see if we got, uh, got Christy calling in. I know she was kind of from meeting to meeting. And uh, so trying to see when she can join us. But um, yeah, definitely something that uh, We'll be looking forward to talking about all those things going on over in her neck of the woods. Um, the other thing just wanted to share is as we get ready for um, what's going on in the global space, again, anticipating what's happening in Europe. I mean, that is something that you guys, my gosh, Luxembourg is still planning on coming online in 2022, and we have several other countries turning the curve. So let's go ahead and give... Christy, a call. I think she might have lost our Hello? Numbers, so oh, There she is. All right. We have got Christy. Sorry, we're having troubles with you calling in. So we thought we'd reach out to you. How's it going, Christy? Welcome to the Thank show. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we're just giving a little bit of background on your history. And that's usually where we start when we have guests on here, just kind of, you know, hearing a little bit about you, where you came from. Uh, your support and advocacy in the industry. So I was starting to tell the viewers how you kind of cut your teeth out here in California and then moved on onward and upward to the market in Nevada. But yeah, give us a little bit of background if you could. Sure. Um, again, thanks for having me on here, Lance. For sure. um, the reason that I started getting into the industry back in 2013, you can imagine me growing up in Kansas in the Bible Belt that <laughs> there was a lot of stigma that went against 
the uh, cannabis, and um, my parents were definitely against it, and I got into quite a bit of trouble in college for, for consumption, and so I stayed away from it, and it was actually my father that called me in 2013 and said, we have been lied to. This is an incredible plant with so much potential that I want you to jump in and learn everything you can about it. And at a certain point in my life, I realized dad is always right. So I jumped in head first. (laughs) Go dad. And I started, what's that? I said, go dad. (laughs) Right. Oh, he, you know, he's, he's absolutely amazing. He's been an entrepreneur his life and he's always been ahead of the curve on things. And so I started traveling around, going to uh, conventions, taking workshops and just learning everything I could. And I ended up starting a production lab, a CO2 extraction lab in Southern California in 2014. And I named it after two of my grandparents who passed away from cancer, oh, Mac wow. Lou Laboratories, yeah. um, after my grandfather Mac and my granny Lou, uh, two people who meant the world to me. And I wish that I would have known then what I know now when, when they were still living because I could, I could have given them such a better quality of life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fast forward to now, I've been making syrup for cancer patients for the last six years. And at the very, very least, it's, it's um, helped them have better quality of life and go through chemotherapy and things like that with just much better results. It helps with the pain. It helps um, with sleep and with appetite. So um, I was able to leverage that operation in Southern California to partner with a group here in Nevada and became the 17th licensed production lab out here. And then when um, recreational passed, the state was requiring that all the licenses utilize the um, third party for distribution. And I was always interested in distribution. I had an alcohol distribution company in my early 20s, and I realized that alcohol distribution and marijuana distribution are very, very different. And Nevada was going to be giving exclusivity to alcohol distribution companies for the first 18 months. So, Which I never um, understood. That was some politics. Yeah. I know we've talked about it before. I got to tell you, and I don't like it in a politics. I mean, I've gone to D.C. And, and have lobbied up on the Hill for, you know, the more and the States Act and et cetera in this industry. But that always annoyed me, how you know how obvious it is when you see something like, oh, only alcohol distributors can distribute cannabis for the first year and a half. That totally, fl- and I know we've talked about it. I won't go on a tangent, but this is the kind of politics people that drives us nuts is when they have contingencies like that instead of letting you just being able to come in as yourself and be able to establish a license, you know, from. Yeah, you know, you know, and I, and I completely understand. But what but I but I also understood on the political side that they put that measure in when it was going to get passed because Nevada because like, think about it, Las Vegas is Nevada, has so much, the alcohol people and the casinos, they have so much power. So for them to be able to support it, I think they put that measure in there to get the support of those people. So while I completely understand what you're saying and agree, I think that that measure was put in there for those purposes to help it get it pushed through. At any rate, I know that Alcohol distributors know nothing about cannabis, mostly, and and the distribution of the products is just so completely different. The culture is so different. So I knew that if I could just get my hands on an alcohol license that I could really set myself apart in the industry. So I found a little two-man boutique um, alcohol company, and I founded and was CEO of Focus Distribution, which was a really exciting thing for me because here in Nevada, um, uh, our distribution is really just glorified transportation. So I was able to use the uh, beat be inogalous kind of to alcohol where we I had a whole team of people that actually represented the brands and sold them to the dispensaries, which was a great value for a lot of these people who understood how to make great products but didn't really have the sales right yeah, yeah. Um, understanding or the connections. So that was a, a lot of fun for me. And in doing that, we were working with more than half the licenses in the state of Nevada. And just having those kinds of relationships, getting to know people, it makes you think about so many other things that are in the industry that need to be filled. And so I, w- I started three cannabis support businesses that year. 
And one of those was a staffing agency, which I still have. Um, and we send our crews out to the cultivation facilities and production labs basically nice. to help take down the harvest, to trim it, to weigh it, to package it whenever these facilities need extra hands on deck because so often they just need that for a week or two out of each month for that harvest. So yeah. that it, brought a lot of value, not just to the businesses, right? But what I saw and what I love is that I was able to bring entry-level people into the industry who are making $12 an hour. And I tell them, look, if you just show up to work on time, you have a good attitude and you're trustworthy, this industry is growing so fast that the sky is the limit. This industry has more opportunity, I think, than anything in our lifetime, more than, let's say, even the dot-com, because you're able to bring in people with absolutely no skill set, teach them something very easily that they can learn in a week, and then they could be making fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars by the end of the year based on their own drive and ambition to go further. And, and that's me, the thing that too is, is extremely exciting. Yeah, I think so that's I started, where the, the dot com. I think that's where it is because I talk about it too. I was a part of that movement. I thought, oh, this is going to be like the only time in my life that I'll be a part of such a, a movement or a transition or an awakening that was the the digital age from the legacy age, traditional age of, of you know, media and marketing. And so to be a part of that, and I have to agree with you, you know, coming over here to cannabis, I was like, wow, this is the, the this is the second coming. But like you said, it's very different. This isn't all about, oh, you have to know, you have to know code in order to be a developer, or you have to know, uh, you know, interface UX, UI in order to be, this is to your point, I explain to people and I post up every few months on, on LinkedIn, this comment, like it's never too late. And I've had people who reached out and said your post, I mean, I add context to it beyond that, but people reach out and go, you know, you're supposed, your post spoke to me because I've always been an advocate. I've always supported, I've been in the closet when it comes to consumption, but I feel like I can really bring something to the industry now. So to your point where we're needing uh, laborers and individuals on the front line or, or working behind the scenes and the operations, likewise with people coming more so with a white collar background uh, where they might be segueing over from a very successful sales career or logistics career, or securities career, or whatever the case may be. I explain to people this category and this community needs everyone. We need doctors. We need scientists. We need, again, logistics, security, sales, marketing, HR. I mean, we need everything every other industry needs and then some as far as uh, human capital goes and the knowledge, right? Like what people are bringing in from the outside. So I do like how you kind of preface that, that the opportunity is sky's the limit. And I was in the same position. I think I told you my story when I left the cannabis, kind of pulled to Jerry Maguire because I didn't want to work for a hedge fund, um, nor would I rec- recommend anyone working for a hedge fund on purpose. But when I left, I mean, within the first 48 hours, I had Andy Williams from Medicine Man Technologies, phenomenal guy out of Colorado, great company, uh, Matt Stang from High Times, and then um, JJ from Weed Maps. All three of these companies reach out to me. They were like, hey, we we want you to continue on the industry. We want you to come work for us. And like you said, I mean, for me, I was only in the legal industry disclosure at that point for a few years. And like you said, like the community wanted me to carry on. They felt I was a big enough supporter and I brought enough to the table to continue to be a part of, of, of this movement. And I think you put it nicely that, Hey, you can come in and yes, it might be, especially in Nevada, it's not California. You know, the minimum wages are different. But even if it is a lower minimum wage, you come in and show up, do your job and be passionate doing it. And like you said, I know, uh, gosh, um, I call them cannabis consultants, but most people know them as bud tenders. I know bud tenders that are running their own businesses, their own extract businesses, their own Canagar businesses in the space because they had the drive that you're talking about, which I think is awesome that, that you share that with the listeners. And, yeah, and, share and, that the and you know, Lance, I do have to point out and, you know, for those uh, listeners that don't know you personally, you, you are an anomaly. Um, you have such an incredible uh, presence and charisma and passion that I remember when I first met you on that panel in, back in Reno. Yeah. You know, I think when you speak, people listen. <laughs> so yeah. you are a bit of an anomaly. Um, I don't think it's that easy for everybody, but yeah. I definitely think it's easier than anything else. And I'll tell you, it was amazing, but because of coronavirus, there were so many people without jobs 
a lot of people having being here in Las Vegas that were yeah. in hospitality. Oh my right? gosh, yeah. They, yeah. they didn't they oh. hadn't worked in anything like cannabis, but it was an amazing way for us to bring in a pool of people that have would have never been looking for uh the job otherwise. Yeah. And it gave them an opportunity to go without uh, I mean, go having a job and instead of being uh, unemployed and it allowed the cannabis industry to pull some incredible talent from other places. And, and yeah. you're right there in this industry. And I think it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger with all of the things that we're finding out. I mean, 100%. with this global panel that I've put together, I'm having conversations with amazing cannabis pioneers from all these other countries and the things that they're developing and the things that they're doing just show this industry is exploding worldwide. Totally agree. Totally agree. And that's, and we just had that conversation, right? You know, that's one thing I was sharing with you and, and getting you plugged into that international network that I have. I was like, all these people are passionate. Like all these people are advocates. I'm not saying they're activists, you know, there's a difference between the two, but they're definitely advocates. And they support the industry, whether they're in it or not, or rather they're successful or not. Like it's a certain type of breed, kind of like what you were saying to where, you know, once you're out of the green closet, it's, it's not, it's not required, but it, it's kind of an assumptive that you are going to be supportive and, and try to promote at least erasing the stigma and tabooisms associated with the plant, you know, and that's what a lot of those people like we were, to, you know, rather be Michael Rossley out in South Africa or Simon Espinosa down in, in Chile, Santiago or Nathan, you know, out in, in Australia. I mean, all these are Kitty in Thailand, like all these individuals, they have such a large heart with being a part of the movement. And I think it speaks volumes, but I love what you're talking about too. You're right. I mean, my brother was affected as well. My brother's based out of Las Vegas and he was tied, you know, um, running security for uh, Hakkasan and then for Win, and was affected in his career path uh, with regard to having to make a shift from hospitality. Um, and it was tough for him. And I've seen other people uh, have to shout out. Now you probably have your favorites, but I love the Apothecarium and, and Exhale are two, uh, two shops I frequent out there and, and just catch up with, you know, folks, again, on the front line to hear how things are going in, in that specific market that is Las Vegas. And, man, one of the guys that helped me one time at Exhale was a former uh, bouncer. Yeah, I mean, big guy, too. I mean, looked like a lineman, you know, from a football team. And then uh, one of the young ladies that helped me before, she was in the hospitality industry as well. Both of them are like, it's so much better here. Everyone's all good vibes. It's the right energy. Everyone's friendly. They get along. It's not the grind. It's not me getting four hours of sleep because I'm working till four in the morning. Like they're so appreciative. And and like you're saying as well, the, the money is just as good, if not better than being a doorman at a club for win or, or being, you know, a dancer at, uh, at, you know, pure or wherever, you know, at Hakkasan, like these people are making a movement that they're starting to feel like, wow, this could be a career, not just another quote unquote job. And, and that's right? the thing too. It's like, you know, those entertainment um, industry jobs, you at that point, you, you either burn out or yeah. you outgrow. And this is something that is so unique. You can move into different segments of the industry and build a career as you develop yourself as a person and always, you know, going towards the next thing that helps motivate you and that drives you. I mean, where I'm at today with the sexting agency and with education and with this global platform isn't anywhere where I, where, where I began. And that's what's so exciting to me too, yeah. is because yeah. I love to learn and grow and I don't yeah. want to be stuck doing the same thing day in and day out. And because this industry has so much opportunity, you can, you can um, move into different parts of the industry. You can create new parts of the industry all based on where you are in your personal growth. Yeah, very true. And that's, it's so fun. I was just always teaching life lessons to my son because my dad did that to me. And, and I was telling him, I said, you know, son, the day you stop living is the day you stop learning. And he is like, so if you don't learn, you die. And I'm like, okay, well, that, <laughs> well that's kind of a, a drastic translation. But might as well be though, right? Yeah, I said, but that's my point is, is that, you know, there's something you take away. Life is about lessons and, and learning is just a process. Um, it's just a matter of you actually learn from that 
or not, whatever that that was put in front of you, that exercise or that opportunity. So that was my point is you constantly learn. And that's what I love. And I know this is where you and I are, are very much uh, similar in the industry. Like we love to continue to learn. And there's always, to your point, there's always something. Learn. People are like, how do you keep up with all the legalization, not just domestically, but internationally? I'm like, I love this stuff. I love keeping track of, oh, Morocco just passed legalization. Oh, Luxembourg's still online for adult use in 2022. Oh, you're like, you know, to be able to just share that with people to communicate how big this movement is, which I think is a good segue back into what, what you brought up just now, this, this international uh, panel that you're putting together. Uh, that's where, in into your point, you're so great because I'm always going so fast and doing so many shows. We technically connected years ago at on a panel at um, Nikan Reno at the Reno uh, convention, cannabis convention, and uh, and then when you reached out about this, I lit up. I mean, I get excited about opportunities and anything that promotes positivity in general, but when you shared about wanting to get together a bit of a, an international coalition, if you will. Um, around cannabis, I was so stoked because it's so much bigger than just the U.S., right? So much bigger than Canada or Paraguay or Chile or any other place, you know, where the movements happen. Um, there's so much going on on that global scale that people just aren't in touch with. So t- tell, if you could, the listeners, um, kind of tell them a little bit more about because I love how you you really put a lot of thought being a marketing guy here you you put a lot of stuff a lot of thought from a marketing perspective into what you came up with um so if you could talk about kind of the model and the ideology behind the representatives and and all the rest of it, I think sure awesome. well what happened was um when I was building out the sta- the staffing agency going into these newly legalized markets I realized that the workforce had, you know, they've never worked in cannabis, and I had to have a way to make sure that they had the education and the um, the training that's required to go into these facilities. And since I don't have facilities of my own, I had to make sure that they, they got that somehow before we would send them out to our uh, customers' facilities. So I put together this online educational platform called Cannabis Community College, where it teaches all of the state compliance, regulations, and standard operating procedures, and and trade techniques for cultivation, production, and dispensary. And in doing that, that really helped us um, train uh, an up-and-coming workforce to get into the industry, and that did really well. And so I thought hey, I, I really want to build out the, the education things that are on this platform, and I also uh-huh. want to be able to provide that in countries outside of the U.S. And so um, a little background on how I was so successful in, in, in doing things as quickly as I did in the industry. I give so much love and respect to the networking group called Women Grow, which is a national organization that truly was pivotal for me. Um, The president of the um, San Diego chapter, she's a lawyer. She helped me get my first licenses in California. Um, The group out here in Nevada helped me connect with the group that I partnered with for the 17th License Production Lab here in Nevada. And just because of all of the networking that I did at those um, events, I was able to get, you know, the business of more than half of the state of Nevada. So I give so much love and respect to that organization. In fact, um, Rebecca, who was leading the Nevada chapter of that, I, I approached her and said, Hey, let's put together a international networking group so that we can create what happened for me on a global scale. And um, she brought in the the national president, Gia Marone. I know Gia. Going to be, <laughs> what, what's that? I know Gia. We've actually, we've done a, a panel or a webinar before. And and this is great because you, you've seen just on a slight tangent, like Gia and and the leadership now at Women Grow, this is like a new, they, they went through a bit of an evolution a, a few years ago, right? So kind of like the Gia era versus the Jane West era, if you will. And, and you've been in the industry for a minute. So you've seen both sides of, of that coin, right? As Women Grow has kind of grown and evolved um, and, and yes, supported yes, the whole way, which exactly. is awesome. <laughs> you know what she told me? She said, I'm so excited that you're doing this. 
she said, we've been wanting to focus on global, but we've just been so busy. And she says, we can't do everything. So I'm happy to support what you're doing, which also just lends so much credibility to this industry, which, you know, there's so many industries, there's a lot of, there's a greed and there's competition, but think about this. I'm reaching out to somebody like her. And instead of saying, Hey, we were going to do that. She says, we can't do everything. I fully support what you're doing, and I'm going to jump on as the U.S. ambassador um, to fully support what you're doing. And and that just goes to show, like, if you're working with the right people, there's so much love in this industry. Oh, for sure. You know, and, and that's just really encouraging. Um, but just um, to circle back to Rebecca, who I'm really excited to be working with, you, yeah. you know, you gave me credit on the marketing side. It was Actually, Rebecca, that came up with the idea. She says, Let, let's turn our um, group of diplomats and ambassadors into um, like comic book uh, cannabis superheroes. And I mean, I didn't even blink my eyes. I just yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So to touch on that really quickly, what yeah. we're doing is we're bringing in people, um, you know, people that represent the voice of cannabis from one end of the spectrum to the other in all of the legal and almost legal countries. And we take the images and turn them into these superheroes, and we take an oath, basically, um, all together, the participants, to defend the integrity of the industry and work together as sort of a mastermind to really develop and take this industry places. Because, you know, so many countries I talk to, some of these people you introduced me to, amazing people, but that where they are in their country is where we were in California yeah. uh, 15 years ago. Yeah, and so <laughs> right. we, we, we can shed so much light and help them with what they're doing with legislation and education and destigmatization, whatever the word is. You know, we can help so much. And that's really the premise of putting this group together is to bring amazing um, cannabis spoke with um, the same vision and mission together for a cause of really helping our industry grow and prosper. Yeah. Very well put. I mean, it's very, and to your point, the thing that I think comes back full circle to all this is that it is, it's all about community, you know, and that's where, like I always mention good vibes and, and I know it's just, it's what I grew up with. So it's easy to use as far as terminology, but that's what it is, like this positive positive energy of everyone coming together. And again, you and I, have, we've discussed this where, you know, there's been some questionable players that have tried to come into the industry or transition into the industry and not to stereotype a lot of them out of the East Coast, a lot of investors out of New York that are kind of the wolf of Wall Street types. And that's one thing that's always impressed me about this community and about this industry is that, you know, I, those people are like splinters, like they either get pushed or pulled out. And those aren't the people that are really carrying the weight on their shoulders of, again, erasing the stigma, eliminating the tabooisms, expanding the education, the knowledge, the insight. And again, not just within our borders, not just within our continent, but around the world. And so I know, again, that's where you and I, our ideologies are so similar in just being able to fully appreciate, you know, these people are here to make an impact and to rather be, again, to your point, groups like like Women Grow or Attach or other organizations, um, or if it's individuals that are really carrying that weight, for, like Kitty over in Thailand, which I, I think I connect you with. Like she oh, is- Oh yeah, she, carrying, she's amazing. Is she a rock star? I just absolutely love her. And she does, she does the cannabis uh, convention out there in Thailand too, for those that are in the APAC or um, looking into- uh, working in cannabis over in the Asian Pacific region. Um, I mean, she is just like open book, so supportive, um, all about connecting the dots and, and making things happen and helping her community and helping her country. Like, I love that type of people because you can tell it just like you, uh, you know, meeting, working with you over the last, you know, several months, a few years. I mean, I can just tell like you love it. You're in it to win it. You're in it for the right reasons. You're passionate about what you do, no matter how hard the work is. Some of the hardest work you do is the most passionate thing that you're tied to. And I figured that out. Like I've put in more hours and more miles <laughs> in an airplane in this industry than any other space I've been in. But I can't complain because it's it, to be a part of the big movement is and being a part of something larger than me. It's ex it's exciting. It's yeah. so exciting. And we're so lucky. I'm so grateful. But I do want to share something with your audience. 
um, because I, there's going to be people out there that are like I once was. Um, and I might've shared this story with you, maybe not, but it was about 10 years ago when I was walking into the department of motor vehicles to do something. I can't even remember what, but somebody approached me to sign their petition to legalize cannabis. And I said, no, because where I was at the time, I believed in that stigma. I was raised in the Bible though. I had those issues with my father growing up and it was all about becoming educated and learning. And that's why I really like to speak out and be part of teaching people because whether you consume or not, this is an incredible plant with so much opportunity for so many people, whether it is medicinally or recreationally. Mm-hmm. And I like to tell people, hey, even if you're listening to this right now and you don't understand cannabis or you have a stigma still against it, really try to dive in and learn. I mean, have an open mind and learn yeah. because it changes everything. And I believe in it wholeheartedly. I, like I said, I wish I knew back when my grandparents were living, what I've learned over the course of the last, you know, since 2013, oh, yeah. because I miss my grandparents like crazy. They were my best friends. And if I could have given them what I'm able to give to people now, that would make me so happy. And there's people that are out there suffering right now and they don't need to, but they don't understand what we're doing. So they suffer. So I like to shed a little bit of light on that. Yeah. And I fully support that. You know, a lot of people know that I'm cancer survivor, you know, it was my gosh, back in 2003. And, you know, I wish even I go back and reflect and wish my oncologist, my urologist that were more open-minded because we, at the time, you know, we had medical, which was uh, prop 215, you know, we had medical legalization and, um, it, it, it would have been a big factor to your point in my recovering kind of post, uh, but that much more to support and help educate other people. And that's why I'm glad, you know, there has been that energy and exposure. And that's why, again, it's, it's, uh, labor of love, no compensation, but why I love writing articles and, and columns, you know, on cannabis and, you know, less so about how it's affected me. And again, more so about the movement and, and erasing the stigma, but it does make such an impact in lives. And there's a lot of people that just go, you know what? I don't think this thing's as bad as fill in the blank as Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan told me hashtag thanks Daryl Gates for, you know, dare program circa 1980s or Nixon, you know, or Anslinger, like these individuals that decided to weaponize a plant and chastise it, you know, in order to segregate. And, and again, I know that's for you and I both, we're big on the social equity, social equality, uh, you know, uh, focused side of things as well, because again, that that's, a big problem with the war on crime or war on drugs and in how this has become such a big crime, you know, when it's something that can actually help and heal, not hurt and hinder. So again, love what you're doing and and glad to be a part of it. Lance, real quick. I was on a call this morning with an amazing individual. His name is Inga Solheim. He's a famous um, polar explorer. He, He doesn't consume any drugs, doesn't even drink alcohol. And I was talking to him about the panel that I have coming up, and I was telling him about this amazing company in um, in Israel that has done all this cannabis research and has this product that's helping with um, people that get organ transplants so oh, that their wow. body doesn't reject it or yeah, their organ yeah. doesn't reject the body. And he said, oh, my God, tell me more. It just so happened that one of his very good friends, Recently, his body rejected the first organ transplant, and Inga was going to give him his kidney. Oh, my god! And then the guy's uh, body produced um, antibodies, and they did the testing, so it showed that it was going to reject his kidney as well. And And he didn't care about any stigma on cannabis all of a sudden. He said please put me in touch with this person right away. Yeah. I mean, these yeah. are the kinds of things that are happening around the world that are just amazing. And that's where we're behind. It's so unfortunate because again, I wholeheartedly put the blame on the war on drugs. It's been going on for a century in this country, even longer, technically late 1800s is when it began. But point being is that it's hindered us so much. I mean, the fact that it took, what was it now, three years for the feds to finally allow, uh, you know, 
cannabis to be tested and experimented with and for it to be produced somewhere besides, where is it, Alabama or wherever they're getting that ditch weed from for the current program. Meanwhile, like you said, Israel is absolutely the medical and scientific epicenter with regard to cannabis testing. I always bring up the college over there that studies uh, cannabis and cancer and the interactions I've had with them and learning that they're finding cultivar-specific cannabis that can help against the radicals associated with specific cancers, breast cancer, prostate, colon cancer, were the three they were studying when I was there. And it is mind-boggling to hear. And again, being a cancer survivor, I've told friends, I'm like, that's where I'd go. Literally, if if I ever had to deal with cancer again, I would go to Israel and find out whatever it took to get into a program because now they are doing um, human testing. When I was there, it was, it was uh, you know, uh, cultures. It was tissue, tissue testing. And, I mean, they are so much further ahead, and they're getting so much private and public funding. And, again, not just from Israel. Israel's small. It's a 7 million populous country the size of Washington State. So it's literally by size geographically and demographically by populace, about the same size of Washington state, but yet there's so much coming out of it. And you have investors, private, private, mind you, from places like Australia in the U.S. and Europe that are like, hey, if you all are open to doing proper studying on this, we want to support you because we think that Mother Nature has a solve for a lot of our issues, which I have to agree. I still don't think that it's always a solve to go after the chemical IP specific solution that everyone thinks Western Pharma has the answer for. So, um, again, awesome story. It's so great to to hear that. So, what else? So, you've got again to recap. Obviously, this this big uh, international group that you're moving forward with uh, in this organization, but still have the staffing going on. That's still, and I know we've discussed that. You are a very hands on CEO in regard to that company, correct? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's my, it is my bread and butter. And also, um, I'm so hands-on. Um, I think that we're bringing in so many people, like I said, that are entry level and some people, you know, don't always come up with the best, um, um, upbringing. And so whenever there's an issue, I jump on the call and talk to the people, um, one-to-one because I want them to I'm one of those like three strikes you're out type of person, but I want to have that conversation with them. Like, Hey, this is your chance. This is your chance at making your life and your family's life different. And I, and I really take a lot of pride. I think in, at the end of the day, this world is a, this life is about making our world a better place. Oh, for so sure. me having the staffing agency brings me tre- tremendous uh, joy and, and satisfaction and, and making a difference in the world. So highlight staffing is my day in and day out, but um, the, the global cannabis industry networking group is something that is feeding like my intellectual side. Yeah. I love to have deep conversations and meet, uh, like-minded people that are making a difference in the world. So that group is really feeding that for me. And then, um, lastly, I'm just getting ready next month to launch Dazed and Confucius, which is oh my gosh, be a YouTube channel. Uh-huh. Yes, we got to get into that because that is uh, last time we caught up in beautiful Las Vegas. Um, you actually gave me one of your what I call a swag kit, but you know one of your welcome uh, boxes. It was so clever in how it was kind of down to the detail as far as little elements. So yeah, let's definitely, I want to hear a little bit more about that because that's a fun project. I mean, I thought I had a lot going on. It's like, I feel like I met my match with you. <laughs> Everyone's like, wait, you're doing two shows and have an article and have a day job in it. And I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> now you got to meet Christy. <laughs> so tell us a little bit oh, about that. Thank you that's so much. Cool I'm, I'm on, honestly honored <laughs> to have you say that. So thank you so much. But oh, yeah. I don't want to take up too much time, but I'll just tell you real briefly the concept for Days and Confucius came from just my deep sadness about what was happening in the world uh, last year, not just with coronavirus, but um, the riots and the political stuff. And um, it was very disappointing to me to see the, the level of conversation um, degrade. And I wanted to create a forum where we could bring together people from the cannabis industry, but to talk about elevated subjects such as spirituality, philosophy, science. I love quantum physics, you know, all of these 
far out things. And I also have a, like, I have a tendency when I have a cocktail or I smoke cannabis or consume it, I really, I really am a deep thinker and I go deep places. So I like to have those conversations. So Dazed and Confucius is a spin on the cult classic film, Dazed and Confused. Confucius, obviously the Chinese philosopher. So we get the, the premise is to get together um, industry folks and talk about some far ideas. And then I have um, fortune cookies that I had made by Chick with a Whisk. And inside so cool. of each of the fortune cookies is a philosophical quote. And um, we take a wine, weed, and wonder break. And then we crack open a fortune cookie. And everybody has to put their selves into the shoes of the philosopher and interpret what they meant. And it's really fun, Lance, and it's really strange. But like yeah. you saw when we did it, the other day on that podcast we were on together, yep. everybody had a different interpretation, but each person's was enlightening. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think that's one thing that I think we brought up. For, I remember mentioning on that call was, you know, perceptions, everything. That's the one thing that people forget is it's metaphorically and literally speaking, right? Even just looking at something from a different angle gives a different perspective and point of view. But I think that exercise, which was so neat, you know, it really, it showed the different perception by interpretation. And that's one thing that I think is a great takeaway just from the exercise alone. Obviously the topic was enlightening to your point and, and to think about it philosophically, not just literally, but it was such a cool exercise to hear what, you know, Colin thought of that versus what I thought of that versus what you thought of that. And for those that, that wanted to tune in on that, I popped in as a guest, but technically it was, it was Christy that was a guest of Colin's on Industry Born, uh, which is another Hayes Radio Network uh, series. And that will be coming out, I'm guessing, probably in the next few weeks. But that was really awesome. I think that was cool to go through that. And you put it into perspective. I don't think I mentioned you know. on that show that our tagline is to talk philosophy and walk philanthropy, because what I want to do yeah. is bring awareness to um, uh, Can Do Clemency. So we are working with Amy from Can Do Clemency to help uh, fund the petitions to get people that are incarcerated for cannabis convictions released and to help fund them while they're in there and then help get them jobs and reacclimated once they get released. I love that. I love that. And that's something I think I was sharing with you, uh, you know, a good friend of mine, Mary, who went to work for uh, Steve over at, um, you know, at the, the, well, she comes from, uh, man, uh, was it Maui cannabis convention? And then Steve D'Angelo originally, obviously from Harborside, but they have something similar at the last prisoner project. And when I was at Greenflower, I established a $50,000 scholarship for those same individuals, because to your point, I mean, they're, there are these guys and not for small. I mean, it wasn't just a, an eighth or an ounce. I mean, obviously it's a bit more, but still, you know, being incarcerated for decades, because of possession with potential into intent for distribution of this plant. Meanwhile, it's legalized, even in some of the states where these people are still incarcerated. That's that's a whole other topic, to your point, that a lot of people need to be in the aware of because, uh, God, who was it? It was someone who just posted up on LinkedIn. I know you and I are on there often. And he is talking about how here he was going for his hearing to potentially put away for a few years for possession. And he walked past a legal dispensary on the way where here, again, it's an industry uh, for all intents and purposes. Cannabis is an industry in dozens and dozens of states. And you still have individuals that are going in for prosecution associated with the same plant that people are capitalizing on. Yeah, and oftentimes the lawyers and judges that are in there uh, have have ownership in the facilities. Yep. See, that's, I keep mentioning that too. It's, I keep telling people when you see public sector starting to invest or like Weiner actually transition into the private sector of a specific industry that's potentially going to blossom or take off, that's your sign to your point. That's your sign that it's event horizon amongst the M&As, the mergers and acquisitions and the exuberant amount of states, what six states now in six months that have legalized uh, cannabis adult use, not just medical, because medical were in over three dozen states, um, just within the last several months. Like, I totally wholeheartedly believe, and I've been saying it for years, and some people tease me about it, that there is going to be a watershed moment in 2022. I totally believe it. And some people are like, oh, you're thinking it's going to full on legalize? Oh, you think that federal is going to sort? I'm like, 
I didn't say that. I said a watershed. It could just be something, and I'm not saying this is simple, but something as simple as decriminalizing the plant, you know, or deeming it unconstitutional to criminalize the plant like they did in Mexico or like they've done in South Africa, you know, just to end prohibition on some level and then to step back and establish a framework like Canada or other countries at a federal level. Like it's, it's definitely feeling like it's closer than ever, in my opinion. And I, I feel like you're kind of in that same chapter, right? You feel it's kind of, we're, we're getting there sooner than later. Absolutely. Especially when you look at the types of people that are involved in these licenses. Yeah. When you see that, you, you know that we're, we're getting close. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag Wrigley, right? That's a good example of how Wrigley, and I thought it was interesting, you know, for the air of Wrigley to get into the industry and obviously not the only one coming from other categories, but then all of a sudden the lawsuit around uh, utilizing the term Skittles, which happened to be owned by Wrigley Mars, <laughs> you know, oh a lot gosh. of the, it's, it's so interesting how these little nuanced things that again, I just, I feel like people are so busy head down doing what they're doing, which I get if you're growing, or if you're growing a business or if you're literally growing the plant, like obviously all of us are busy, but just paying attention to what's going on to your point, the players that are getting in the money that's gotten in uh, the other industries that are eking in like there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on beyond the scenes that that tell me that the moons are trying to align for that next level, you know? So it's a, it's a crazy time. It's definitely a crazy time. It's a crazy time. So. And I don't want to sound like one of those people that says like cannabis is going to save everything, but I believe with all my heart and I feel like I've always been very connected that this is an incredibly magical plant that does connect us on a level that I can't even explain. Oh, yeah. And I feel like it is going to revolutionize our world in a, in a way that I don't even know how to um, put into words. I agree. I totally agree. And I, I think I posted it up again before I said something effective, you know, alcohol makes us forget and cannabis makes us remember, you know, it really, it opens up our eyes and makes us think on a whole other level uh, intellectually. And I wholeheartedly, to your point, agree that when I've traveled in, and again, I'm so thankful. So for, I, there's places I've gone to, I could have only dreamt of that weren't even honestly on my bucket list, like Tel Aviv or like Barcelona or like Prague or, or like Santiago, or, I mean, fill in the blank, all these places I've been to thanks to this magical plant. But that is the thing. I agree with you. Like it is something that connects all of us. I compare it to Food and music. You don't need to speak a language, let alone the language, <laughs> no matter where you are, to understand it's a universal that if you are a human being that you love this, you, you love this experiential, that you love this food, that you love this sound. Like I found that it's just one of those common denominators that connects all cultures and communities. And again, you can travel the globe and you'll see it firsthand. You plug in with that network of people that are pro cannabis and it's just a whole other, it's just a whole other experience. It's a whole other level. So definitely agree with you on that. So cool. So what is in store? I mean, I know you, there's no rest for the wicked. Here we are catching <laughs> up. What's next? You've got everything set up. Um, obviously. Okay, I'm really excited. I, I'm nervous and I'm excited. <laughs> um, our first Global Cannabis Industry Networking Group webinar will be this Wednesday. It nice. starts at 4.30 in the morning because we're starting off in Australia, then yeah. China, then Philippines and uh, Thailand. So we're starting at 4.30 in the morning. I've decided because I really wanted to kick off with what are the origins of cannabis in each of these countries yeah. and where yeah. where is the status of legalization today? I thought that would be a great way to start this series of webinars. And I decided, um, because this is a long one, it's going to be seven hours. Everybody has a different segment where they come in. I'm just going to record this one, edit, edit it, and then share it because um, I've never done something on this scale, so um, <laughs> I, I want to cool. be able to tweak any um, issues that might come up. Um, but then we're going to also take all of the information that we gather from this and turn it into a, a comic strip, like a book. Oh, and wow. have it in English and Spanish and, and share that with the masses. But, yeah, Wednesday's our very first webinar. So cool. And uh, I'll be... Uh, sharing that with everybody, hopefully within the next week or two, as soon as we have it edited. 
I love that you're talking. That's one thing I bring up, and and I've had several of the individuals that now are mutual friends of ours that I've had on my show or my shows, and that's one thing I bring up is not just you know again their background interest in in opening that's associated with the plant, but also to your point, you know wh- what is the status in your backyard? You know we were just talking to a friend again from South Africa. You know I didn't know until doing my homework on this article I'm writing. Uh, that they actually had social clubs there like they do in Barcelona. You know, who would have known? Getting to hear those things firsthand. And then to your point, which, again, I'm a total, I'm, I'm not a can of snob, I'm a can of sewer. <laughs> There's a difference, but being a bit of a, a genetics collector, I love how you're getting into discussing the land race because Thai stick, surprise, came from Thailand and Swazi gold and, and Durban poison came from South Africa. And, you know, Panama gold, yep, came from Panama. <laughs> you know, a lot of these, or, or even Hindu, you know, Kush coming from, from the Hindu Afghani border order, all these things, this is very pivotal because when, when federal comes around and then when obviously the international movement comes around, these are going to be the stories. I wholeheartedly believe that we're going to be getting land raised grown in that specific Appalachia, rather be from Thailand or Afghanistan or from Africa, that's going to be associated with that land race cultivar that people just have heard stories about from years past, right? From their grandparents or their parents. I think you're absolutely right. And I was actually just, I was just introduced uh, recently to Lady Marcella from Colombia and she has this great idea and I want to, you know, I'm going to work with her on this, but she brought up the same thing. Um, how all of these areas around the world have their certain genetics yeah, and bringing, having either a book with the seeds from each of those regions or, um, you know, when, when, um, international really does open up where you can go in and have, uh, maybe a box that has a little bit from each one of those places, but just like a, like a, t- a taste of the yeah. world. <laughs> it is, yeah, taste of the world via cannabis. I mean, they do it with wine. Why not do it with cannabis? I mean, and I've I've been there, done. I mean, I've every. I have to admit, again, I'm so thankful for my network. But I land in Australia, and sure enough, like here's everything that's being grown here now. Land in in Asia. Here's everything that's being like. It's such a cool experience, and. My gosh, I wish I would have had a film crew with me on all those trips. But I got to tell you, Chrissy, it's always a pleasure catching up. Thank you for calling in. And yeah. I look forward to catching up again live. I'm out there in Las Vegas all the time. So I know we will. But thank, thank you, for thank you so show. much for having me, Lance. You, you know how I look up to you and admire oh, you. And please you. let me know that next time that you're in town, I really look forward to catching up in person. Likewise. Thank you so much. Again, audience, Christy McAdams joining us today. I want to thank all of you for tuning in to our show. This is yet another episode of Cure to Consumption. Remember, it's all about good vibes. Take care of yourself and each other. We'll catch up very soon. Bye-bye now. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.